0: Ooh baby
1: Welcome to the Real Wolf Record Club. My name is Joe. I am your host here on the Real Wolf Record Club. Thank you so much. For being with us here in season two of the Real Wolf Record Club. I, I said it through season one. I, I'm not going to stop saying it in season two. We've got a great, great show for you. Um, <laughs> we're talking about an album from from one of the great, great metal bands of all time. Uh, fronted by one of the greatest, if not, albeit strangest, frontman lead singers of all time. The album is is one of those odd, odd records in, in that it came out in the mid-70s when heavy metal, sludgy, heavy sound was was still developing. And, and this record, although it's not the only album to be created in the midst of some band's sterile, uncreative, legal battle with their producer or management, it, it might be one of the darkest replies um, in, in everything from its title to the lyrics to the intensity of it. It's an album from a band which in my opinion, has one of the coolest band names of all time. And oddly enough, an album cover for this record, which in the opinion of some online sources, may be one of the worst album covers of all time. The album has been dubbed the final release of the band's legendary first six, and it was a gold record in the U.S., and it's consistently listed among the greatest metal records of all time, which means we are talking, of course, about sabotage by Black Sabbath, which I got to. I'm just full disclosure here. Uh, Black Sabbath is an a band that <laughs> I knew a lot of people in high school loved. Friends of mine loved, and longtime listeners of the show here on Real Wolf Record Club will know that in the mid to late '90s, I was an insufferable little hack hardcore kid who couldn't be bothered to listen to anything but Victory Records hardcore, metalcore, post-hardcore, blah blah blah, and and it's funny because Black Sabbath is a band I missed on, totally missed on. I would I wrote them off as weird stoner rock from the 70s, which they totally are. And looking back, I'm like, my taste now, I might have liked them. And, and so I guess what I'm building up to is to see uh, if our guest, who is a fan of Black Sabbath, if our guest, a stranger to me except for being a guest on our show, if he can do what my friends couldn't, which is get me to like Ozzy Osbourne. And so our guest today is an artist, creative artist. He is well-known throughout all of those hardcore music scenes, punk scenes, metal scenes, post-hardcore scenes. He has art in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. He has pieces in the Louvre. Yes, that Louvre in Paris. Um, He has had his own festival. He has uh, curated... I'm guessing the most question he's probably got in his life is, can you draw a tattoo for me? And can you make a band logo for a shirt that I have or a record that I have? He is that sought after. He is that talented. He is the one, the only Derek Hess. Welcome to the Real Wolf Record Club, Derek Hess.
2: Wow, that was a great intro.
1: I I
3: am totally... I
1: I meant it. I want to see if you can do it, Derek, because Black Sabbath is a band. And I don't know how Hannah or Ben feel, but Black Sabbath is a man that I I was one of those pukey little straight edge kids that was like, uh uh-uh, I can't do it. It's stone and rock. I'm not into it. And so I just took a flyer on it and threw it away. It was like, I'm not in. Were were they a band that you were in on right away?
2: Oh yeah. Um, I think it's uh debatable if they're a stone and rock band or not. You can, I guess broadly brush them into being a stone rock band, but I think there's so much more than that. They're, they're like the pioneers of metal. I don't know, my life would be totally different if it wasn't for Black Sabbath. It's like if it wasn't for Stan Lee and Marvel comics, I'd be totally different person.
1: Well, maybe it's maybe it's safe to say that the stoners that I knew loved Black Sabbath. So I thought and that that maybe goes to show how shallow of a musical fan I was at the time because <laughs> I was just like the stoner kids like it, so I don't. But that's that's interesting. And and you know, let's let's talk into that. You you've mentioned Stanley, you've mentioned getting into your life would be different if not for certain maybe musical or artistic influences. Is does it? It doesn't start with Stan Lee. It obviously starts with Gil Kane. I think is that is that a fair statement in your your career and development as an artist?
2: Yes but no. But Stan Lee first. You know the the comic books before I started drawing. Are I started drawing when I first got my first comic book, and that was all because of Stan Lee creating Marvel Comics, and then Gil Kane came up through, DC and Marvel Comics, and uh, you know I discovered him as being my favorite, one of my most favorite artists of all time. And, um, you know, some people frown on that, saying, "Oh, a comic book artist isn't a real artist, but uh, I defy anybody to know the anatomy any better than Gil Kane did.
1: Mm-hmm. Do you, do you remember, um, I, this is a question I ask a lot of people who are, as a lot of our guests are, as I'd say, creatives, people who create in a lot of different spaces. And I'm always, I'm always just fascinated about, was there a moment, you know, if you're at home as a young kid and you saw a comic book on the table or an older brother or older sister, or somebody had something that you just immediately gravitated toward do you remember that moment in your you know was it a stan lee was it a something else that just you instantly knew this is what i want to do
2: oh that's a tough question i can't think of anything right offhand. i can think of things after i started getting into what i'm into that influenced me to move further in one direction mm-hmm. um i know we we're going to talk about record covers and I, you know that that definitely is something that influenced me and yeah. uh, influenced my artwork. Uh, I mean, there's specific covers that come to mind. That, what are those?
1: Uh, what, what records do you remember looking at thinking, wow, this is something totally different?
2: To jump around a little bit. Heaven and Hell by Black Sabbath, the first Sabbath record with Dio on vocals with the angels playing poker and smoking cigarettes. That really made an impression on me. and That's, that's why I started drawing angels. Cause you know, I draw, I draw a lot of angels. I've been kind of known to do that. And that cover was one that still sticks with me. It's, it's brilliant. Mm-hmm. Um, but other records for that, going into the record store as a little kid, I remember seeing ACDC, If You Want Blood, You Got It. And the, the cover is of Angus Young taking an SG guitar and jamming it through his belly out through his back. And it was a photograph. And uh, I saw that, and I am like, you know, this is the coolest thing I've ever seen in my life. I've never heard of ACDC, but that record's coming home with me. And uh, <laughs> I totally, you know, of course, I totally gravitated to the to the music then as well. Other covers, uh, the Black Sabbath, yeah, the Sabotage cover, I think,
1: is pretty bad. Uh, like like you mentioned. <laughs> um well from an art perspective after- what why is it so bad because i look at it and i i think you know to me it just looks very um hot topicy to to borrow a phrase from the the mall mall culture just black and reds and they don't look into it and there's no there's no feeling to it but what is it from an artist's perspective that you look and say this is actually a bad album cover
2: i don't know i think you're putting the finger on it it <laughs> it's like a dumb idea to start with about the reflections being, you know, facing the same way as the, the figures and the back covers the same way as the, the backs of a in the mirror. Black Sabbath, though, has some really brilliant record covers. Uh, the Never Say Die cover is one of my favorite covers of all time, of all records. Um,
3: mm-hmm.
2: it was done by a design firm called Hypnosis. Hypnosis did a lot of UFO covers, which I, I think are brilliant. Um, they did uh, technical ecstasy, Black Sabbath as well. They did Led Zeppelin covers. They did Pink Floyd covers. They were they definitely were the the firm that was doing some brilliant brilliant artwork for record covers. And they were very versatile. You know, you could you could tell it was a Hypnosis cover, but it didn't look like a consistent Hypnosis image you know because they definitely were working to to reflect what the band was all about not what hypnosis was all about
3: Mm -hmm.
2: like uh, a good design firm should do whereas you know other designers can get caught up in well i just i need to make this look like my work even though it's for uh, you know a different sounding band or whatever i've been accused of doing that but uh then again i don't really see myself as a graphic designer i'm just i'm an illustrator Mm -hmm. if it's that and uh, so you're hiring me to do what I do instead of the graphic design aspect like uh, hypnosis did.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, and I want to I want to I guess to hear you tell it a little bit, I know that your dad had a big impact, at least in your development as in, you know, fostering that artistic spirit in, in your world. Um, if anyone, if listeners, uh, if you're looking up Derek Hess, you'll see probably some reference to a, a documentary called forced perspective, uh, from 2014, which I definitely, if you're an art fan, if you're a music fan, um, if you're a Derek Hess fan, please check it out. It is awesome. Good stuff. Gets a really good insight into, into Derek and his creative process and him as a person. But, um, to hear you tell it, it, it's almost like that spark, that artistic spark couldn't couldn't be separated from the musical spark that you also felt. Is that a fair statement or is, it, is, is that is there something else that was going on?
2: No, that's a fair statement. Um, back in the day too, like with the, if you want blood, you got it, or never say die. I remember like holding a record cover and saying, I want to design album covers because they were albums and there were not uh, CDs or, or cassettes or, well, I guess there were cassettes. The music definitely influenced the art and the art influences the music
1: as far as I'm concerned. Mm. And I know, again, referencing that documentary, but you, you actually have, you've, you've branched out in the medium, so to speak, with you take eight tracks and they become almost a, a new canvas for you. Is that is that an echo of that? Or is that just something you say, hey, this looks fucking cool, I want to do it? This looks fucking cool, I want to do it. <laughs> Those are like hundreds of those. It looks like you've done a, a, those eight track paintings that are set and oh, they've got yeah. designed. I mean, how many did you end up doing of those?
2: i uh, got to be a couple hundred, maybe more. I go through phases of stuff that I'm working on and I was going through an eight track phase then. And, uh, I did as many as I could. Then I just came to a point and said, well, I'm done. And, uh, I, I never did another one. It's, and I moved on to something else. Yeah. Like right, right now I'm working on. Abstract artwork, which is uh, new for me, which is a lot of fun. It's challenging.
1: Let's. Let I want to circle back to the the piece about angels because obviously you've referenced some great records that have a lot of angel symbolism, and then certainly in metal and you know all those alternative. (laughs) I sound like such a square when I say that alternative music scenes, Uh, but angels, (laughs) heaven, hell, death, darkness, um, pain, emotion—those are all themes that come out. Um, but you've also said that you're not a, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but a particularly religious person. What is it about angels then for somebody who might not be particularly religious that, that, that just draws you in and you, you, you that repeats throughout some of your work? What is, why is that such a, a place that you've gone back to in your work?
2: Well, I think angels, you know, going back through time are are a vehicle through spirituality. I don't think any one religion has a uh, a patent on angels, you know, like, mm-hmm. oh, there's an angel that's got to be Catholic, there's an angel that's got to be, you know, Christian, you know, or whatever. It's a means of spirituality as far as I'm concerned, and that's how it works for me. Juxtaposing the angels in, you know, different scenarios, like the angels smoking and playing poker are or, or, or like I've done angels that are being hung, you know, which, which kind of re- represents a spiritual death. That's kind of how I view the angel it's 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 a universal image that people can latch onto and people can recognize and you know figures with wings, you know it, it's fun, it's fun to draw, yeah,
1: yeah. and I, that's uh, that I like that part of it because I know what you mean when you know you could go a number of different ways with it in terms of the the symbolism, but also at the end of the day is that is that some of it that? it there's just certain things that as an illustrator as somebody who's into whether it be comic books or fine art or somewhere some mix of both there are certain things that are just more fun to draw more fun to create than others
2: yeah no i agree there there are and uh that's something i always go back to you know the angel thing like i said i'm doing abstract stuff now but i'm i'm using abstract angels throughout it um just because you know it's a, it's a great vehicle it's a great way to to get a, a an idea across or, or, or not even an idea an emotion across.
1: Yeah. I, well, and I wonder thinking out loud here on that, I mean, if there is, are there things that you as the creator that, you know, a band or a whomever might come to you and commission a work or ask you to do something and you know that, Hey, I can make something that's beautiful or evoke something or inspire something and you get some shithead, bassist who comes to you and says hey i want you to put wings on a motorcycle and i want it to be like do, do people get really specific in there or have they historically have said hey derek i know you're the artist i know i got to, to visit but shut up here's what i want you to draw like is that has that happened to you and if so what are some of the worst ones you can think of
2: well i'm not going to go any specific <laughs> as far as it goes but um, they
1: might be on album yeah, cover somewhere
2: get- <laughs> No, you get that. You, you get that. But uh, generally, you know, when, when people hire me to do a job, they know what I do. And I kind of am upfront about that saying I need I need uh, a lot of the creative control, you know, because you're hiring me for what I do, not for what you want to make me do,
3: mm-hmm. you
2: know, and uh,
3: and generally
2: the ones when they when they're like really riding you to do something stupid it comes out looking stupid the clients aren't always right
3: (laughs) (laughs) the the customers are never (laughs) right
1: (laughs) let's shift gears because we've talked a little bit about uh angels we've talked a little bit about the intersections of fine art cool art (laughs) i would call it but for for somebody if you've ever been to the louvre if you've ever been to europe and the fine museums with all of the art throughout history and antiquity that's there, there's that weird distinction between fine art, modern art. How does Derek Hess end up in the Louvre? How does that happen? And I mean that with the utmost respect because I think it's awesome, and I think you deserve to be there. But it's just, it's to me, it it sparks such a breakthrough, I think. And maybe it wasn't, but that's what it certainly my mind goes to. So how does that happen?
2: Wow, it's pretty crazy. I, uh, you never know how something's going to pan out. So uh, I did an uh, interview with this magazine called Afiche. I don't know how to spell it. I don't know what country it's from, but somewhere in <laughs> Europe. And Afiche is, is a magazine about poster art. And uh, that was when I was doing a lot of poster art. And uh, they, they saw my work somewhere and decided they wanted to do an interview with me and do a, you know, a spread. And uh, somehow, somebody at the Louvre got a hold of that magazine. And decided that they that they would want me as part of their collection. So mm. I got a letter in the to the gallery that was representing me at the time, and it was in French. So it kind of sat around a little while before we got deciphered, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> it deciphered. And it's like, holy shit, the Louvre wants posters, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so uh, you know, they went out immediately the next day. So you know, that's how that happened. It, it, you never know what's going to happen uh like this like what we're doing right now you know maybe i'll get a great job from this interview
1: you definitely will and tell all your friends you definitely will get exposure and a great job from the real wolf record club <laughs> podcast you heard it from derek has first absolutely <laughs> well I, I think that's the most french thing ever and it's kind of where my mind was going in the sense of I, I've been to the Louvre several times. I think it's awesome. I love art. I love going to galleries. But there's also a there, it's the Louvre. I mean, it's it's the, if not the one of the um quintessential peaks of of art in the world where great art is. Um, and they send an American artist a letter in French. <laughs> Not that Derek Hess yeah. might not speak French, but I mean, they just like, no, we'll send it in our language. And that's how that's going to go. <laughs> He'll figure it, we'll hope out. He figures it out. He'll it out. Oh, that is fantastic. Yeah. I yeah. love that. Let's talk a little bit about force perspective. It, it, there's this piece about mental health, chemical health, and that, you know, working the program, so to speak about, you know, every day, there are certain things that you do. To maintain sobriety or to maintain your mental health or whatever it might be, and you, I I was just struck at how you also seem to bring that dedication to your work. You you know, you you get up and you you. We think of art as this thing where people feel inspired in a moment of inspiration, a lightning bolt hits them in the head, and there they are creating. And it it almost sounds like you have a you you know a a reverse appeal or a reverse um, approach in the sense that you get up and work because that's what you do. I mean, is that your approach to art? Is that your approach to, to being real about a mental health, chemical health?
2: It can be. I mean, I I don't want to come off like, you know, first thing in the morning, I grab a cup of coffee and I hit the, hit the drawing board, you know, because, you know, there, there's many days when I get up and hit the coffee and take the dog for a walk and turn the TV on, you know,
3: Mm
2: um, it, it, it all, you know, it is all about mental health, you know, for me, you know, and what's keeping me healthy for that day. And that day may not be worrying about a drawing problem that's been, you know, perplexing me for a while. You know, it might, might be nice to just take the day off and not worry about it. And hopefully the answer will come. But, you know, of course, there are the days, you know, especially when I'm driven, like when I'm into, into doing something new, like when I started doing the eight tracks, I was doing them all the time. Uh, that new direction I'm working on right now, I'm, I'm like really excited about, and I'm exploring all kinds of new ideas, and uh, so I'm, I'm putting some effort and time into that. Um, mm. But between between things, I uh, I definitely have downtime. Um, what I mean, things is it, like I said, you know, when I'm working on new inspiration, like I also did a whole series of uh, drawings on Playboy covers from the 60s and 70s. Mm -hmm. And I did hundreds of those and I did, yeah, I did hundreds of those. And, uh, just came one day and said, look, I'm done. You know, I, I'm, 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 I'm spent. I've done uh, every one that I could do. And, uh, if I do any more, they would look forced and, uh, would not, you know, come off being a a good art.
1: Well, and, and I, that, that's interesting to hear you tell it that way, you know, when you say spent that there's things that you're feel driven at times and. And and not driven at other times. And I think what you're talking about is something that anyone who struggles with mental health, whether it be anxiety, bipolar disorder, depression, chemical health, is uh, maybe none of those. Just waking up in the morning and finding what makes today work, what makes today go forward, whether it be for yourself or your family. Um, it's that that commitment to moving forward. But in between those those moments, there's cost. There's pain, there's ups, downs, there's things that you're expending and finding I've created something great or I've endured something hard. To me, the biggest question at the end of anything is is the worth it question. And that's what I want to ask you, Derek, is with what you do, with where you're at in your world, with the cost, the ups, the downs, are you still fulfilled by the art going forward? I mean, you sound really excited about this new path, so I imagine the answer is, yeah, it's worth it. But I mean- after all this, you do it again?
2: Yeah. Yeah, I would. Um I don't know anything else. I really I really wouldn't any other path is is just kind of foreign to me because I don't know anything else. You know, I I would do it all over again. Um of course, are there things you regret and you would change? Uh absolutely. But as far as what I do for a living and, you know, what what helps keep me uh centered, I would uh absolutely
1: continue doing what i've and, been doing and i I, re, I as i was asking that i was like fuck that's a heavy question but, but yeah it <laughs> but I, I i i've been somewhat open about my own mental health struggles and i i i think those are questions that you you find a way to answer that yes this is worth it you you find that way and that's just the that's the process that people go through of back and forth ups and downs and remembering. Yep. How, how is that answer? Yes. Today. And some days it's, yep, I'm getting better from this. And some days, yep, I'm dealing with this. And some days, yep, I feel great because of what I've, I've accomplished, but uh, yeah, heavy, heavy question on the real wolf record club for Derek Hess there, but um, Derek, your next projects, where can people who are fans of Derek Hess follow you? Is it Derek Hess.com? Is it your social or both?
2: It's both. It's the Instagram, it's the Facebook, and it's DerekHess.com. I haven't posted much of the new stuff yet. I'm waiting to get a larger body of work together. Um, we did post one the other day, and it got a lot of positive uh, responses on, uh, on on Facebook. As I continue to to create more of this new stuff, you know, it will definitely be uh, leaking it out. And uh, and uh, it, it's it's a departure from what I normally do, so I don't want to like. Shock anybody. You know what I mean? Like some people will go, oh, that sucks. You know, I have to I have to block it. You know, I, uh so I kind of want to walk people into it.
3: Yeah. Without dude. it
2: becoming you know, yeah, too big of a, a, a shock to the system. And I really don't see it as being that, but uh, I can see somebody who was only into the concert poster seeing it and just saying, oh, this sucks. You know, that, <laughs> uh
1: you've had your run you know, ins yeah. with hipster collectors. Who are obsessive and weird? Oh,
3: yeah. <laughs>
1: oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, well, hipster collectors who might listen to this show, uh, you have been fairly warned that you might have to expand and broaden your horizons then. Um, but um, Instagram, Facebook, and Derek is where you can check out our good friend Derek Hess's. Uh, I mean, if I'm looking at the website, it's there's so much stuff there to check out. You're going to be so impressed if you haven't and and you're going to continue to find new stuff. So please, please, please uh support our good friends, support all great artists, but support our good friend Derek Hess. Derek, I I think, I think it's that time uh in the interview where we do our little fun question air called Ched Talk. Derek Hess, are you ready to play Ched Talk here on the Real Wolf Record Club?
2: Yeah. Throw it at
1: me. Let's do it. I think I
2: think I'm ready for it. I don't know. (laughs) Everyone.
1: Yeah. No one's ever sure. And that's the perfect answer. Um, All right. First question for Derek Hess on shed talk. It has been said that Michael Jordan is the Derek Hess of basketball, which if I follow the metaphor means that your quote Jersey is hanging in the Louvre, the rock and roll hall of fame and many, many other great places continuing with the metaphor what is the arena that your jersey hangs in that you are most proud of
2: it's no longer there but it would have been the richfield coliseum here, yeah. which is uh was an arena in the, Cle- the cleveland market um you know it's like the basketball the venue where the Cavs used to play but that's where all the big concerts used to be when i was a little kid it's when, you know hell i, I saw black Sabbath up there you know
3: mm-hmm.
2: um so, well, yeah, the Richfield Coliseum, definitely.
1: Forgive me, uh, Derek. Forgive me, listeners. Uh, the metaphor is from uh, Derek, uh, the the Force Perspective documentary. Someone says Derek Hess is Michael Jordan is the Derek Hess of basketball. Uh, so the Richfield Coliseum, got it. Uh, what is the favorite show poster you've ever done?
2: Ah, uh, I like the Laughing Hyenas one I did a lot for the Empty Bottle in Chicago.
1: Mm. Mm, mm. yes look that one up if you're not familiar you should be next question uh here on Ched talk what is your favorite album cover of all time and again yes you have to pick just one
2: we mentioned it earlier uh never say die by black sabbath
1: mm, what do you love about that one
2: it's just uh it well i i'm into world war ii stuff right and it air world war ii aircraft and stuff and actually i went through a phase of doing that kind of stuff as well when i was doing when i said i was going through phases of things like eight tracks but uh there's two figures ominous figures on the cover and they're like in flight gear and uh it it just is is just this impending kind of doom i guess is the word i'm looking for that that cover cover uh relates and
1: uh, yeah, I really dig it. And uh, it's got it's got I mean, one of those feels. One. Yeah, it's but if you look at that, and and listeners never say die by Black Sabbath. If you look at it, it it's got a feel of are these guys from the past or the future? It's just this exactly. super ambivalent picture of I don't know where they're from, but they're fucking weird me out. They've got this like mouthpiece, nose like tube, and then goggles, and they're wearing different colors. It's it's just It kind of, I would say the best way I would describe that album cover is unsettling. It's just unsettling. And I don't know what it is, but I'm with you on that. Um your art is very intense, very emotional, sometimes scary. So I want you to put these three things in order of scary, scarier, or scariest. So scary, scarier, or scariest. And here are your three choices the lead singer's vocals from the band Zayo. That's a popular metalcore band from the late 90s, early 2000s. Right. Oh, yeah. The laughing, oh, well. the laughing, uh, I guess you'd call them, they're probably lawyers based on what I know about how sabotage came to be, but it would be the end of Am I Going Insane and the lead into the writ. Mm-hmm. and finally a aging obsessive hipster collector <laughs> so your two choices right there
3: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: that's scariest all and, right so um, scary scariest. scarier and scariest uh
2: scarier uh. I, I guess we'll go with Zayo, and then we'll the laughing the laughing guys would be scary.
1: Oh uh, that I think that's a that's a correct order. Um the, the laughing guys are unsettling, but maybe not that scary. The Zayo dude is demonic. Look it up, Z-A-O. It's a band that is a blast from the past. And I actually saw uh you with the shirt on in the documentary of Zayo and it made me think of him. Um but but yeah, aging hipster collector terrifying terrifying as any poster artist will know um that brings us to our last question here on ched talk uh death mental health darkness um pain those are themes that come out in your work and, may, and maybe perhaps inspirations for you what's a source of inspiration for your work that people might not know about
2: fishing mm. fishing fishing going fishing catch a fish with a hook
1: (laughs) what (laughs) i i didn't know about that where does that come from how does that how does that inspire you that uh
2: it's it's one of those things where i can totally turn off everything and just chill and uh the fish uh, i think our fish are amazing i love drawing fish and uh so I, I'm inspired by what I reel in, you know, and it's it's mm. exciting when you get something pulling on the end of the line and you don't know what's on the other end, but you got it. And uh so yeah, I get inspired with that. And uh, you know, and it it, it it's me becoming one with nature, I guess. I don't know. But yeah, fishing is, is a good good source of mental health for me and uh and I do get inspired.
1: I swear to God, I, there, Derek Hess was on an episode of LA Inc. And you might have seen him in a lot of places. But if I wake up some Saturday morning and the next time my father-in-law is visiting and he's got fishing shows on in the basement, and if Derek Hess is on there, we are going to plaster that shit all over social media. Derek Hess on a fishing show on Valley Sports. Love it. Well, uh, actually, I,
3: actually <laughs>
2: the the sports uh, perspective, there's, uh, I'm fishing in that movie.
1: Yeah, you are. I don't know if you
2: that that
1: yeah. was off the the yeah. I, I all right. Well, I might have been. I might have been looking at some something else at that moment. And missed it, but that that I would. I think that's the right. I I'm gonna tally the numbers here. I think you just won shed talk here on the Real Wolf Record Club. Congratulations, Derek Hess. You just won shed talk. Uh, We are going to take a very, very short break here on the Real Wolf Record Club. We're going to come back and we're going to dig into Sabotage by Black Sabbath with Derek Hess. This is the Real Wolf Record Club. Welcome back to the Real Wolf Record Club. We are here talking with Derek Hess, a a great artist of our time. Dare I say a modern artist of our time? Um, Because what else would he if not modern? Uh, He's with us here today to talk about Sabotage by Black Sabbath. Uh, And I want to turn it over to the panel a little bit here and check in. Um, One of the questions I asked uh, Derek was what his favorite album cover um, of all time was. And he picked a great iconic Black Sabbath record um, as one of his favorites. I'm curious to know, Hannah and Ben, what your favorite album cover of all time is. Mine is an odd one. Um, I I like to think I have an eclectic taste in the sense that I just listen to a lot of different stuff. But it was from probably five years ago. Uh, It's the Jeffrey album by Young Thug. And if you look up that record. Oh, yeah. Jeff, young he's dressed out like he belongs he's got a, the
0: lavender yeah,
1: he's got an, a, yeah. a, a hat he looks like almost like raiden from uh what is mortal Kombat. him he's got this just a beautiful brow. he's dressed up he's got it's so artistic it's so cool he belongs on a runway in paris and for me i saw that record i didn't know a lot of young thug but i instantly knew i had to check it out i had to i saw it i had mm-hmm. to and then from there, I checked it out and I loved it. And then it was, I have to own that, not CD, not, and I'm not going to stream it. I have to own that record, that vinyl record, because it was just, it's big enough that I wanted that 12 by 12 in my hands and look and be like, this is awesome to look at. So that was easy for me. But Ben and Hannah, I'm curious to know your favorite record album cover of all time and why?
4: For me, I think it's a little bit easier to say my least favorite because I have a hands down least favorite album cover and it's, it's sourced in childhood trauma. My dad had an album that featured the wild, crazy, intense looking Ted Nugent on the cover. It's Ted Nugent's cat scratch fever and he pulled pull it out of his record crate and scare me with it when i was just like <laughs> a little kid you know so that was always the thing it would be like hey 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 ben come over here and they'd pull out the Ted nugent album and, ah and run away a little scary Ted nugent but no I, I if if i did have to pick a favorite i think i'd I'd probably go with uh purple rain by prince oh, there's so many things about <laughs> about that album cover that i love like the crazy flowered wallpaper decor on the sides and <laughs> you have prince this little tiny guy on this huge motorcycle wearing his purple suit with his fluffy i don't even know what that's called <laughs> that he's wearing underneath there it's um, it's so posed the scarf
1: i i think i, oh, I agree yeah. with you. It. it's so posed but it's like there's sometimes that that almost 80s posing of a record cover or a record it doesn't work and in this case how could it not be that like it has to be that for this record
4: right and it's just so perfectly prince cuz it's just so over the top <laughs> and it's 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 almost comical but it's like yeah
1: but it's prince so he kind of makes it cool <laughs> and i love the bike the bike that he's driving is not and i'm not a motorcycle guy but it 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 was what I would describe and Hannah and I have described this for years as a total dad bike, <laughs> a dad bike, <laughs> like just a dad bike. bike. Yes, yeah, it's, it's a bike that your friend's dad has. And he'll say, Hey kids, let's go on up to the dairy queen together. And you'll ride on the bike with your friend and his dad. Like that's the bike that Prince, the coolest motherfucker of all time is driving. So, ah, <laughs> I, <don't know. laughs> uh, I love that. That's a great choice. Um, Hannah, Your favorite album cover. Uh, So I growing up, like I feel like a lot of my musical
0: interests started because I have siblings that are a bit older than I am. And you know, what whatever they were listening to obviously was like the cool music. And I remember it must have been my sister who had this cassette. It was meatloaf, bad out of hell. And as a child, seeing that cassette cover, (laughs) my little like kid brain thinking like, what? in the fresh hell must this music be, you know? Um, And that's just like an album cover that like I've always remembered and I like still think of from time to time. And like when I see it, like, I don't know, brings up like fun childhood memories, yeah. I suppose. Um, But it is like, I feel like the appropriate term to describe that album cover would be bitchin'. <laughs> um, <laughs> So, so that's my pick for, for favorite album cover.
1: Oh, and it, I, when, what Derek, what is it about? Because we've all described, you know, our three choices. We know your choice. There's, there's something about the intersection of visual medium and, you know, what you hear, the audio part of it. And I've described a record that I hadn't heard, but I saw it. I'm like, I have to hear it. And I heard it and I love it. I still own it. Um, ben. Everyone has Purple Rain, probably somewhere. Hannah's talked about a record that has deep roots in a in a connection with her siblings and how she got into music. But I mean, what is it about that intersection? Like, or I guess, a better way to say it is the importance of a good or or creative or eye catching album cover. Because the I tried, and I will let you answer the question. By the way, I, I tried to think of a counterpoint to this of a album that is great that has a horrible either band name or record cover and the only example i could come up with of a band that has a shitty album cover and a shitty name and yet is still listenable is electric larryland by the butthole surfers like, if you like,
3: take your favorite band, cover. whatever band
1: you like, and give them a shitty name like the Butthole Surfers, and you're probably gonna be like, ah, I'll pass. But there's some good stuff on there, and that cover is horrid, but it's a great record still. And so, I guess what I'm saying, Derek, is what you're the artist. What is it about the the power of an album cover to draw a listener in?
2: Well, I I mentioned it earlier about that ACDC cover. Is a, a great record cover number one to reflect music somehow but number two ideally a great cover will sell the record without the person knowing what the music's all about you know it, it it's got to you got to gravitate to it and and pick it up and like look at it and like look i gotta have this thing i don't know what it's all about but it's just
3: too cool for me
2: i gotta i gotta have it and uh, that is the mark of a
3: great record cover mm, mm,
1: yeah definitely I mean that you just described for me i have several records actually that i know i've bought just based on the record cover and thinking this has the aesthetics of something i would like and i've been wrong but there's a lot that i've definitely gotten hooked on
0: well and it is disappointing right. when like you're looking forward to like a new album coming out and you get it and you're like oh, this is kind of shitty looking. It's like <laughs> it's like disappointing. You're like, I was expecting this to be awesome. And it's not. And it maybe does kind of take away from like the excitement of the album then when you're like, well, I got to look at this now. Uh-huh.
1: <laughs> I think we all still have those feelings of of being, you know, even in a pandemic time. But like, I want people to flip through my records and be fucking impressed. <laughs> There's a little bit of that snobbery that we all want where it's like, Oh, yeah, this is a cool looking record. And I've never heard of that. And holy shit, this is awesome looking. And there's something about I, I I'm just going to tell our listeners if you haven't looked at the cover Electric Larryland by Butthole Surfers, I defy you to find a more repellent. <laughs> album cover or band name <laughs> <laughs> go for it uh get at us in social uh at real wolf record club on instagram or at real wolf rc on twitter which who uses twitter anymore but we're on there or or send us an email info at real wolf record let us know if you can find a more repellent album cover or your own favorite record cover because they're just i don't know it's it, we've hit Derek's hit on it i mean Derek has made uh, just one hell of a career. Um, if you follow him, or or you're just getting into him, of of finding that space where there's something being communicated to me here visually, and it draws me in, and I become a listener, I become a fan, I become a follower, whatever it is. Um, because that's really what's happened here. Um, oddly enough, <laughs> we're also talking about an album today, "Sabotage" by Black Sabbath, that has been discussed as one of the worst, maybe not the worst, but one of the worst album covers at all time of all time from a band and, and musically that is one of the best metal records of all time. So let's start like we always do uh, with our favorite song. And again, I know I've gotten grief from guests in the past. It's tough. It's a tough one to pick. Uh, but we'll start with you, Derek. If you had to pick one song from Sabotage by Black Sabbath as your favorite, what is it?
2: Probably the first song, Hole in the Sky,
1: I think mm. would be my favorite. It has that, Ben has talked about this, your lead-off hitter, to borrow from baseball metaphors. Uh, yeah. It, yeah. It just has that kick-you-in-the-mouth start, that riff is just incredible.
2: And and just, you know, the whole whole thing about take me to heaven, you know, hole in the sky, take me to heaven, you know, uh, window of time. I think, yeah, I, I think that, that – hooks you into the entire record and pulls you into the uh
1: the whole body of the uh, mm. uh, uh work on record. hannah what, what was your favorite song off this record
0: i kept going back and forth between two songs and even on the way that home is and... not
1: at all like you at all i know
0: I'm, <laughs> I'm always super decisive and i stuck with the one i thought i was going to go with which is um the writ i think that song is super cool there is like I don't even know like what if it's like a guitar part but like there's elements of the song that almost sound like they could be from today and it made me start thinking of like how people take influence from music over the years and it almost like there are pieces of it that sounded like almost like you know, like industrial-ish, and it made me start thinking of like Nine Inch Nails and like that kind of stuff. And I just thought that was like a super cool song that I kept going back to. I also thought it had intriguing lyrics as well.
1: This song and this album is a big fuck you to the lawyers and management who were embroiled in a bitter dispute with the band. So The Writ, I, I think, is probably directed at uh, the fraternity of which Ben and I belong. Um, <laughs> Sorry, <Joe.
0: laughs> no wonder I'm so attracted to it. Yeah. No. The lat the
1: first, the first half of that song, at least, I mean, just that hook and the way it, I mean, it, it's, yeah, it's, it's awesome. It,
2: it, it like explodes. It, it, it's like all calm and, you know, it's kind of cooling you down and all of a sudden it just explodes, you know, you mm-hmm. mm-hmm. spews, spews it out. And, uh, I found that, uh, I'm sure you all have as well, that a lot of the songs on this Sabotage, uh, the songs have more than one part, mm-hmm. you know, they like yeah. Symptom of the Universe, uh, Thrill of it All, uh the Rit, they're, they're not just one song all the way through, it's almost like they connected two or three songs into one song and they make it work. Mm-hmm. Mm.
0: Yeah, totally. Like all of a sudden it's like you're just listening to like a different song in the middle of the song like the whole kind of like feel and theme of the song seems like it like changes for a minute.
1: That's and that's, you know, yeah. Derek and Hannah, you guys hit on it right there because for me, the favorite hole in the sky was, was definitely very close, but it, it after, a, you know, one of our rules on real Wolf record club is you got to listen to it at least three times. If you haven't listened to it before. And um, this was a new one for me that I knew about, but I hadn't listened to. So I'm listening to it. And after about the second time, it, it was pretty clear symptom of the universe and almost exclusively for the last half of that song. It's probably not even the last half to last two minutes. They get into this super almost psychedelic jam that I just, it rolls through my brain. And I was just like, this is the song, this is it, that, that. So for me, it was, it was symptom of the universe with a close second to hole in the sky. Um, but to your guys's point about that two song thing, that was it. Uh, ben, I can see you smiling. Ben and I do this sometimes, not too really often, but I'm wondering if we have the same choice. I'm not sure. Man, you stole my notes, Joe. <laughs> uh,
4: <laughs> Symptom of the Universe. And so for me, I oftentimes have like a 1A, 1B, 1C, 1D, like trying to <laughs> trying to pick my favorite song. All the way down the
3: album, yeah. I was,
4: I was happy. I listened to this album a lot, and I was happy. I'm like, I 100% know my favorite song, and it's Symptom of the Universe. And I'm gonna give you a little nugget here. I'm gonna call this a Tootsie Pop song because it has this kind of sweet exterior wrapped around this smooth, delicious center. And that's what I was—I was thinking of that old Tootsie Pop commercial with the with the owl. You know, you know how many licks it take to get the center of Tootsie Pop. Because I'm—I'm like listening to this like intensity, and I'm like, I know it's coming. I know it's coming. And then. 411 my favorite moment of this whole album Uh, it's this smooth kind of bluesy yeah like jam and i'm like holy cow this is good and i mean i'm a big zeppelin fan and you could have put that in the midst of a zeppelin album i would not have known like is it a zeppelin song
1: and that's a compliment that's that's not like a ripping them off it just sounds very much in that that channel and vein of what zeppelin did they did it as well and they did it almost better on this song you know
4: right it i it's so i'm a i'm a big zeppelin fan and i I, i've listened to a lot of their albums a lot i put that chunk of that song up against any of my favorite zeppelin songs and i'd I'd never heard it i'd never heard the song before Mm. listening to this album for this preparing for this podcast so i'm thank you Derek s for picking this album because i've picked out a new favorite song that I can kind of go back and listen to again and again and
1: again. Oh, love that. Well, uh, let's, let's hear on, on that, on that note, Ben, um, one of the things we like to do here on the real wolf record club is Ben is many things. He is my friend. He is my brother in the law. He is also a former wedding (laughs) DJ. And that means he loves to put together playlists. And as with all of our albums, as with all of our shows, Ben takes some time to put it on a playlist. So Ben, Black Sabbath, Sabotage, put it on a playlist.
4: Well, Joe, uh, first I'm going to go through a little cutting room floor. And I'm initially, you know, reading a lot of the background. And there's actually a really great little 30-minute YouTube documentary about Black Sabbath uh, sabotage, where they get into some of the, the battling. And there was, like, the mafia involved. And it, it's, it's kind of a crazy story um, about this, this this battle that they had with their management. But I thought initially lawyers, guns, and money... And you know, get some songs that are th- their themes. Of but there wasn't really much direct reference on this album to any of those things—lawyers, guns, or money. So then I just thought, well, maybe we could just do black, Black Sabbath. But they didn't really mention a lot of black stuff on this album because I'm, I'm listening to it. and I'm thinking, oh, I'm I'm hearing some like black hole sun, like Soundgarden has. Some influence there. I'm I'm hearing like Black from Pearl Jam. Like there's 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 pieces of of Black Sabbath that kind of I feel like have trickled into a lot of different kinds of music. But what I went with, um, and this is largely because I didn't give Bill Ward really the respect that he deserves among some of my favorite rock drummers of all time. And is again largely because of the Symptom of the Universe. There's some fantastic drumming on that song. And so I was just blown away by that. So the playlist is going to be called Parumpa Pum Pum, parentheses, Little Drummer Boys. <laughs> so this is some of my favorite drummer boys of all time. So we're, we're starting off with uh, Black Sabbath, Symptom of the Universe. We got to have it. Uh, some Zeppelin in there. So we're going to put Moby Dick on there, which is my, one of my favorite drumming rock songs of all time. Tool, huge Tool fan. So Lateralus has got to be on there uh tom sawyer by rush won't won't get fooled again by the who and then just for you joe i'm gonna put in a little dave matthews band carter beaufort playing the drums on number 41. Uh, there's a lot more on there but those are just some of my favorites and some P- of my all-time favorite rock drummers
1: Pa-rum-pa-pum-pum. the Pa-rum-pa-pum-pum. perfect little drummer yes. boys playlist from our very own ben <laughs> here on the real wolf record club uh, you can go to our website realwolfrecordclub.com and you can find all of those playlists you can uh, I, I told derek before we started i'm the it department of the real wolf record club so i'm going to use this phrase right you can upload or you can stream you can export are those right am i saying that right no you can do exporting all
0: those
4: things anything <laughs> <laughs> i
1: think we're yeah. you Uh, You can do all of those things with our playlists uh, on Spotify, on Apple Music. Uh, you can take a walk through Ben's brain and figure out how he got where he did and let us know. Do you love the playlist? Do you hate him? And what would you have put on a playlist from Sabotage by Black Sabbath? There's so much to unpack from this record. There's so much to look at. There's so much to think about, Um, you know, whether it's be the aesthetics that we've talked about with our good friend, Derek Hess. Do I hate that album cover? Do I love that album cover? Do I love that it's horrible? And so therefore I'm drawn and what is it about that album that you respond to because Derek's the artist, he's the creator um and and he's he's kind of pinpointed that thing that you know me and you know all the fans of great art is is what draws you in? What evokes a response from you? What provokes a response from you? And that's kind of where this album starts with that album cover where you love it detest it or just kind of detest it but then you get into the music and there's something happening here there is so much i don't want to say controversy but angst and tension from this band at this time that you know if you read interviews they said we finally got into the recording studio and could just write music it was such a relief and then they gave you this just awesome awesome metal record um so i think that brings us to the point where we put our own stamp on this record it's not not a review per se uh, but it's it's kind of a, a nod to those <laughs> nerdy hipsters like myself who collect shit, collect records and say, do I need to own this? And and our scale is bury it. You hate this record, so you bury it in the backyard. You never want to see it again. Uh, you borrow it because you want to borrow it from a friend, but you don't need to own it because you don't need to see it all the time. Or do you buy it because you're an American music collector and you need to physically have it in your hands? Or do you buy it again one to stock, one to rock. Um, I'm going to start with you, Ben. What do you give uh, Sabotage by Black Sabbath?
4: Joe, I'm going to dial this back to 2010, which is peak iTunes, and I'm going to buy a single. I'm going to buy a Symptom of the Universe, and I'm going to play it again and again and again. Because that's right before 2011, I think, is when Spotify was released in the U.S. So I'm going to buy a single, great album and I think the thing I appreciate most about this album is how when listening to it now with the um, good fortune of being in the future uh, <laughs> you can really hear the the influence that Black Sabbath has had on all kinds of music and at least Agreed. the music that I listen to. So I'm I'm listening and I'm thinking like oh yeah Jane's Addiction obviously listened to some Sabbath and um, one of my favorite kind of punk alternative bands at at one point was Coheed and Cambria, but uh, you know borrowing a lot of the same type of riffs and vocals and sound and uh, I you know I never Joe to your point I never gave Black Sabbath I think the the uh, credit that they deserved for being. Not only pioneers, but uh, super influential and really damn
1: good. (laughs) Mm. Well, Derek, you're our guest. And I will tell you, uh, we have yet to have a guest who has not like, (laughs) like.
0: (laughs) Jokes on you. I hate this record. (laughs) Not
1: eaten the record (laughs) 10 times over and just loved it. So Sabotage Black Sabbath. Do you bury it, borrow it, buy it, or buy it again?
2: I would buy it. I don't
1: need two of them. Huh, well, there you go. You're a, that, <laughs> Derek. That's a first. Um, I, I think that's interesting because I'm kind of the same. I, I think, I think that, you know, I, I posed the challenge at the start of the show at the top of the hour saying, uh, Is Derek going to be the guest that convinces me to like Black Sabbath? And I think the panel and Derek, you guys have done that. I don't know that I would have come in saying I like black Sabbath. I would have said, yeah, maybe a song here and there. I just never gave him the time of day. And that's what the show, that's what this group does. Um, it, it makes you do that. And I think I'm the same. I was probably a borrow it. And I think I'm in the buy it camp. I think I, this is a record that if I saw it, I'd buy it. I'd bring it home because there's enough stuff on there that I could just put it on the record. When my, you know, daughter's out of the house and my wife is out of the house. I can crank it loud and just enjoy it. So I'm with you, Derek. I'm a buyer. What what is it that you love about this record? I think it's a complete thought. It's not just a,
2: a bunch of songs. It's, it is well thought out, well planned on how each song should flow into the next song and how each song complements each other. So that's why I really like it. it, it is one complete thought,
1: mm.
3: the
2: sabotage
1: yeah amen to that, Hannah. you get the final word here on uh black Sabbath sabotage. Do you bury it, borrow it, buy it, or buy it again?
0: Um, I think I'm a uh, buy it. Black Sabbath was a band, like I knew like the real big songs like Paranoid and Iron Man, but like I don't know like why I never really like decided to get in. I think like some of these big bands like the- they're like so big and the catalog is so large you're like oh i don't even know where to start with this so you just don't um so it was so thank you derek for giving us like a way to you know a a vein to get introduced to this a little more than just like the you know songs that everybody (laughs) already knows but yeah no i found myself like cranking some of the songs in the car and just really having a fun time listening to this album and um, I'm going to keep listening to it. I don't know if I'm going to wear it out so much that I'm going to need to buy a replacement. Um, but I'll definitely be continuing to listen to this one for sure.
4: Mm. Yeah. Uh, I-, I had my four and five year olds playing air guitar in the back seat. So uh, <laughs> this
1: guy was doing something right.
3: Yeah. I <laughs> yeah, love
1: that. Well, And I I think that's the takeaway from this record is there's something to respond to. There's something to grab an ear. There's something to grab an eye, even if it's one you want to turn away from. But it's a great record. It's definitely one worth checking out. And if you're like me, you're some snobby, punk rock, hardcore loser who's now aged out of that, you're looking back. This may be one that you find yourself really getting into. Um, We want to thank our guest, Derek Hess. Uh, Check out all of his work. Uh, Derek uh i think there's links to his, his social there um you want to talk about art that will provoke a response in 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 so many ways and such a good such a talent Derek is your man uh Derek, Hess.com. um Derek, is there a timeline for when uh, i've queued it up i've teed it up big time for you is there a timeline for when people can start to see what the, the new projects that you're you're about to roll out
2: no, we don't have a timeline yet, but uh,
1: no pressure. Sooner than later,
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sooner than later is best, I can say.
1: <laughs> I love that, um, and that bated breath. Love that.
2: Yeah, I'm I, like I said, I'm developed. I'm getting a body of to work together. I, I need to get a, like 30 pieces. I'd like to get together to be able to make a good presentation. Ah,
1: oh, well, so. your your fans are. are... They're devoted, if nothing else. And so definitely, definitely follow Derek on his social. Definitely sign up uh, on their website. I think there's a newsletter option or a, an updates option. Um, DerekHess.com. We will make sure the show goes out on all of our social feeds. Please follow us at Real Wolf Record Club on Instagram, at Real Wolf RC, if you're one of the 10 people left on twitter that's not a parody account uh go to realwolfrecordclub.com or send us an email you can find all the links there you can find all links to our guests and what they're doing on our website as well uh thanks for tuning in and joining us here on the real wolf record club this has been uh another great discussion with another great guest and another great album here on the real wolf record club
4: This has been the Real Wolf Record Club podcast, a production of Real Wolf Productions, LLC, a limited liability company. This show is produced by Ben Head and hosted by Joe Vantomi, with musical credits to the incomparable Laserbeak. Follow us and join the club on Instagram at Real Wolf Record Club or on Twitter at Real Wolf RC. Check out our website at realwolfrecordclub.com to find all our episodes, guest information, playlists, and merch created by Ward Sutton. Join us next episode when we discuss the avant garde 2012 album Channel Orange by Frank Ocean.